Welcome to Tube Talk, the show dedicated to helping you become a better video creator so you can get more views, subscribers, and build your audience. Brought to you by vidIQ. Download for free at vidIQ.com. Welcome back to the Tube Talk podcast. My name is Dan Carson, joined once again by Mr. Viper. Yeah, we are in the building, Dan. What's going on? How you doing, sir? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? I am good, although I am not feeling this sudden. Well, not sudden, but the weather is starting to change, Dan. You know, I live in the Midwest here, and temperatures right now are in the 50s. I was enjoying the 70s and the 80s and all that warm weather, sun shining, bliss goodness. But now, fall is starting to slowly depart us, and we are rolling into winter season. And I'm just like, can we please have summer back? But I guess that's life living in the Midwest. And I, as you know, you live on the East Coast, so it's coming, Dan. As they think Game of Thrones, winter is coming. <laughs> yeah, I'm all about it. I love it. Ugh. I want I want the sun to be shrouded by cloud cover for the rest of the year and into next year. Most of next year will be great. I, I want it to stay nice and cold. I want leaves off of trees. I want snow on the ground. That's that's what I'm all about. You should live in Winterfell. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe one day. We'll see. We can make some goals here, I think. So in YouTube news, we do have some some YouTube topics to discuss, but let us know. Are you are you more of a cold weather person or a warm weather person? Let us know on Twitter. You can use the hashtag tube talk. And speaking of that hashtag, there's a tweet we wanted to discuss today from a regular listener here, I Cave Dave. I think they were just joking when they wrote this, but it did prompt kind of a discussion we wanted to have. They said, I don't know if anyone's asked this before, but I think it could help some people. How do I get more subs and views on my channel asking for a friend? So we get questions like that a lot, don't we, Viper? All of the time. And what people don't seem to realize is that there is no like definitive answer to this question. I, I've said it before on the live streams and the podcast that everybody's journey is their own. It's individual. It's unique. There are so many variables involved in one's own YouTube journey that it is literally impossible for us to like have a definitive answer to how do you get more views and stuff. It just it's impossible, Dan. It is. I mean, there's one very easy answer we can give you, and that's to watch vidIQ videos and listen to Tube Talk. <laughs> <laughs> if you're if you're already doing those things, you're ahead of a lot of people. I will say that it's true. Yeah. Other than that, though, I mean, the general advice is, I mean, channel focus. You, you've all heard, if you've listened to this podcast for a while, you've heard a lot of stories. Just in the time that I've been doing these interviews, I've heard so many stories about people who started out. And at first, it, it really came down to focus. They didn't really know what they were doing on YouTube. And then one day, one day it all clicks for them, which is kind of the, the theme. I don't know about you, but I feel like a lot of creators have a very similar uh, route for themselves that they've taken. It's like most professionals in life, you know, especially if we talk about like professional athletes. Sometimes they're playing their four, four years and then one season is just clicked and they take it to the next level. So being a creator is a lot like that. You do it for so long. You finally start to figure out how everything works and comes together and click. It's just processing quicker for you. You understand what to do and you're off to the races. Last week's discussion we had with Christina Smallhorn was a great example of this. She was doing real estate content for a long time and trying to figure out exactly who her audience was. And once she developed the persona, the, who she named, I think, Frank, right? Or, uh, right. Yep. yeah, something like that. She she basically named this fictional person and said, like, this is the person that my videos appeal to the most. And once she knew that, everything kind of fell into place. And now the channel's blowing up, tons of views, consistent views. And these are the things that, you know, I think any channel could benefit from. That's why I love talking to all these different creators and her backgrounds in real estate. But it doesn't if you're not a real estate creator, it doesn't matter. There's so much in that conversation for anybody. 
I'll add to this, though. I was going back last night and I was watching some of the speeches from this summit a month ago that I missed. And Hunton Hillier Smith, who is the editor for Logan Paul, had a riveting keynote speech at Vincent last month. And he talked about how sometimes we focus on analytics too much instead of just telling a good story. And if we know anything about human beings, human beings love a good story. So if you're a creator and you can figure out how to tell a compelling story front to back on YouTube or whatever platform that you're on, if you know how to tell a good story, you'll go far. That will take you very far in your creative journey. So figure out how to tell the most compelling story possible, whatever niche that you're in, tell a good story and let everything else happen as it may. Yeah, it's very, very true. This is all practice too. It just all comes down to practice this type of storytelling. In YouTube news, before we get to today's interview, you may have noticed if you have been looking at your analytics, especially on mobile, that the YouTube studio has had a number of updates and they seem to continue to roll them out. I just got another update push, I think one or two days ago that I was really excited about. Viper, what have you been noticing? I'm fortunate enough to have both iPhones and Androids in my possession. And in the app for both systems, you will notice that at the bottom of the Creator Studio app, the navigation has changed. They have all of the navigation at the bottom, which is a lot better and more intuitive because your thumb naturally rests at the bottom of the phone when you're holding it. So it's easy to like swipe over and press different categories. So we got the dashboard, the video, the analytics, the comments, the playlist. That all rests at the bottom of the app now, again, which makes for easier, more intuitive interaction with the app. So I like that a lot. What about you, Dan? What have you noticed? The navigation's taking me a bit to get used to because everything is at the bottom now and it used to be in the top left corner. So I'll, f- I'll constantly find myself when I want to go back to the main page, I constantly hit the what used to be a hamburger menu. Right. And it just says YouTube Studio there now and nothing happens. And I'm like, oh, oh right. <laughs> yeah, right memory, man. yeah, so I'm still getting used to that. Uh, what I've noticed, and this has been out for a little bit now, maybe not everybody has this, maybe they do, but there's these new graphs that they've added that look just like the graphs on your actual YouTube analytics. So on desktop, I mean these graphs show you your views and it's a it's i i like this visual visualization of it much better than the way it used to be there was basically not anything there and we actually have some very very nice looking graphs that give you a nice clear picture of how your channel is doing right now and even in videos they've also added the graph that shows you how your video performs on average right and versus the blue line which is how this particular video is performing yes that's all in there now so all of these things and the update that I just got pushed that I'm really excited about because I, I interact with my comments a lot on mobile and find that to be the easiest place to interact with them. They've now added new filters and these filters act just like the ones on desktop. You can sort these comments in the same way. And when you interact with a comment, you can have a filter that basically filters out any comment you've responded to, including hitting the heart icon, which means any comment you've interacted with disappears. So you're only left with comments that you have yet to interact with. And that was missing from studio. I'm really, I'm really excited about these little quality of life changes we're getting. Yeah. So what Dan is talking about is like you said, when you go to the comment section of the app, it, it can literally, you can literally filter it out by comments that you have responded to. You can do it uh, by published comments. Also, you always want to check your health for review section because even though a lot of times there's a lot of filth in there, normally sometimes there are actual good comments in there that get trapped for whatever reason. So you want to go check the health for review to make sure that no legitimate comments got stuck in there too. So but the filters. And just the way they have it set up, I like it. It's definitely more intuitive than the past. So shout out to YouTube for making these upgrades. Yeah, for sure. So if you don't have the YouTube Studio app, I would highly recommend it, especially if you're an analytics junkie like I happen to be, like a lot of us here at VidIQ happen to be. There's also advice that's counter to that. 
there's people out there that say don't use the app if you're somebody who gets really weighed down by your analytics like mentally so Mm -hmm. that's also another interesting topic perhaps for another podcast what we need to do is introduce today's guest who is returning to tube talk once again and i believe we did this with them last time we actually recorded this episode live on a Wednesday on the VidIQ YouTube channel. And we've taken the interview portion and turned that into our podcast this week. So we don't reference the live chat uh, without me telling you, you probably wouldn't have known we did that anyway, but I wanted to shout it out because if you ever wanted to be a part of one of these Wednesday live streams, you do a lot of Q and A. So we stayed on like an hour afterwards and answered questions with the audience for the whole time. So we always have very interesting discussions over on the VidIQ YouTube channel. So please do check that out. What do you think? You ready to go? Yes, let's bring on Mr. Alan Spicer. Here we go. Alan Spicer, welcome back. For those who may need a refresher, you've been on the show before. Let everybody know a little bit about you and what you do on YouTube. Okay, I'm a YouTube educator at youtube.com forward slash Alan Spicer. I've been on the platform for about eight, nine years. I've had multiple channels over the time, but I now teach people social media and generally trying to monetize everything I possibly can using affiliate marketing, coaching, brand awareness, product reviews, Amazon affiliates, that kind of thing. Right on. This isn't your only channel either, correct? That's correct. I've got an experimental project, which is the cryptocurrency lot. Basically, at the start of this year, I was doing a lot of research. Every year I do a new project, a new thing to install into my brain to make into an income stream over the course of the year. The advantage of this is that if you've got one income stream and it falls apart, you're on your bum. But if you've got five, ten income streams all paying you two, three, four hundred dollars, then you're still very stable. So the cryptocurrency world, I was an amalgamation of the two. I, uh, which by the way, it's Crypto Rookie, YouTube.com forward slash Crypto Rookie. I took my experience as a YouTuber and a YouTube educator, identified that it was a hot topic and would be for 2021. Started the YouTube channel, went out there to create content and grew the channel from zero to seven, eight thousand subscribers within its initial two months. It should have done better, but I had a hernia operation and then eased off that, right? But yes, that, that's also another side project that, that also kind of plays into this. Wider audiences, rabid fan bases and hot topics at the time. Because if you don't jump on a hot topic, then it can disappear very quickly. You might as well monetize it while you've got a chance if you have the ability to do so. That makes perfect, perfect sense. And uh, what you mentioned about multiple income streams is kind of at the heart, I think, of today's topic, because a lot of people think about monetization on YouTube. And the first thing that comes to mind is, you know, I want a thousand subscribers, I want 4,000 hours. That'll get me monetized. I'll start getting ad revenue that way. And you also unlock a couple other YouTube features as well. So tell us a little bit about why that's not the then it's not necessarily the only thing you should be working towards. Okay, I have six and a half, seven million views on my current YouTube channel, my main channel, which is an educational channel. Now, seven million views to Graham Stephan is seven million views at possibly thirty five to forty dollars per CPM. Now, for people that don't understand what CPM means is YouTube will pay or will be paid by the advertisers $40 for every 1,000 playable adverts against some content, and you will get a slice of that in your RPM, revenue Mm -hmm. per mil. That sounds fantastic, right? That's because Graham Stephan is in the highest niche on the platform. Now, I had a YouTube channel that had over 100 million views that was entertainment and comedy and cutting teeth edge blue humor 
and I was getting 25 cents per thousand mm. views, which then means I was getting, I don't know, 20, 30, 40 dollars per month for millions of views. So with this in mind, yes, 1,000 subscribers and 4,000 hours of watch time does get you monetized on the YouTube platform. That won't necessarily pay your bills. If you're Mr. Beast, great, fine, wonderful. If you're uh, the returning Shane Dawson, yeah, fine, maybe. But the average YouTuber, right, it's pocket change. Even to a point where, in some cases, businesses may turn off advertisements because they feel it helps them to be more user-friendly in a user experience to push them elsewhere. Now, I, however, capitalize on external platforms. If me, as a YouTube educator, can show you how great my lighting happens to be, or a massive water <laughs> bottle, right? And I refer you to said useful thing in the comment section down below, and I build out seven, eight, nine hundred videos, all touting the benefits of a decent lighting setup, a decent webcam, a decent camera, video ideas from vidIQ, that kind of thing, then those things give me more of a conversion rate when pushing people somewhere. For example, if I was to push you towards maybe even vidIQ, as an affiliate, I might get a, a slice of the profit. And it depends on affiliate agreements, whether it happens to be any affiliate agreement, not just vidIQ. An affiliate agreement could be anywhere between 5 and 50%. Now imagine I push you down there, and this water bottle that I'm holding in my hand, which is hard to see or hear on a podcast, if that's a $20 bottle, and I've got a 50% affiliate markup, that's $10. That's a big markup. <laughs> Very much so. <laughs> and that $10 used to be 3 million views on my old comedy channel. You can see the difference here. So why not use the platform and the influence you have to create a community around you and then offer value that can then help buy courses, products, services, lend your expertise and your experience towards other brands that want to work with you. And then you don't have to worry about the 1,000 subscribers and the 4,000 hours of watch time. You just have to worry about building that cult audience or useful information that people can then springboard off of towards the product or service that you're suggesting. Okay, let's, uh, let's dig into this a little bit deeper because you will hear a lot of YouTube educators say that you should not put all your eggs in the YouTube basket. Now, you were just alluding to channels that get millions of views. If you're just starting out on YouTube, you're not getting millions of views. You'd be lucky if you get a thousand views a month at that point. And like Alan said, your CPM is probably not going to be 40 bucks like Graham Stephan. Uh, you'd be lucky if you make one to five dollars CPM or whatever, just starting out, depending on your niche. The other thing is that the views on YouTube tend to fluctuate from month to month. So when you're talking about having YouTube as your only income source, that's not a very stable income source if you don't know what's coming each and every month because of the fluctuation. So Alan, can you talk a little bit more about why, because of the instability of YouTube, is it more important for creators now than ever to diversify their income stream? Very much so. Now, I have a long story behind this. I'll, I'll, I'll try and pretty it up for you. I used, I used to be a web developer. Uh, around about eight, nine years ago, I'd been in the web development industry for eight, nine years prior. And web development was okay when it was this magical thing on the internet that nobody <laughs> understood until Wix and GoDaddy and HostGator was able to drag and drop websites. So I used to be able to charge $1,500 to $2,000 per website, maybe even more. But that was my only income. So once the magic genie was out of the box and nobody wants to buy a custom handmade site, they prefer to use templates, 
I was struggling. So I learned that experience after going through all of the bankruptcy and IVAs to learn that that one income was my problem. So every year since then, I've gone out of my way to learn a new skill, starting off with YouTube, because YouTube video creation, SEO, blog optimization was pretty much what uh, YouTube and web development were to start with. They just moved the medium from text to video and video then helps on blogs. So I slowly added to that base because if my YouTube channel can earn me say 500 to $1,000, $2,000 per month, right? But then so can my blog and so can my TikToks and I can have some kind of affiliate arrangement with Instagram. So therefore I can push links through to StreamYard and Postmates and whatever it needs to be. Now you're no longer at the mercy of one person trying to buy a, a website, thinking they could buy a website for $250 and get Disneyland <laughs> or Facebook, right? You can now realize that if YouTube was to disappear tomorrow, I'm still being supported by anything around me. I personally can't count how many like income streams I have, but I, I went out of my way to make sure that I had so many that I wouldn't land on my, my bum again. I've got Amazon affiliates, I've got Amazon video, I've got companies such as vidIQ, I consult directly, I have a clients on retainer. I These are all outside YouTube in themselves. I deliberately went out to build my blog. The blog is brilliant um, in the fact that it generates my own platform and that own platform in itself. I can blog whatever I want, I can sell my ads wherever I want, I can generate a mailing list, I can create digital products, I can download anything they wish, I can push them to anywhere that I want. The more forms of income you have, the more stable it happens to be. Also, you can ride out seasonal like swipes because YouTube's fantastic for advertising in November, December, but it's horrific come January and February. Mm. It's it, You're literally diving off a cliff. Mm. So, why not try and use the run-up to the Christmas period to start writing blog posts that are seasonal or talking about the new habits that you're starting or pushing people towards affiliate marketing things like need a new skill go to Skillshare and learn it for January why not go and do your new fitness regime and the more you can add multiple income streams the more safe secure you happen to be and then the more you actually make because if you've only got one job that makes you $500 and you sit on that, that's $500. You've got six of them, that's three grand. And in some cases, you can make them fairly passive. I've got a affiliate influencer video program that's earning me anywhere between $30 and $50 per day. And all I did was the legwork to start with of uploading 50 to 100 mini videos. And now I can leave them alone and they generate that income. So. It's the legwork, it's the, the setting, it's making sure that you've got multiple forms of income and being sensible. And you can earn so much more outside the YouTube ecosystem by initially just pushing them places or communicating who you are. And micro niches can do it to an nth degree because there's only so many people that crochet dolphins in the bath, or it happens to be. So 
there was a lot of different things you had mentioned there as as ways that you set up these multiple streams of income. And I think if I was under a thousand subscribers right now and I was working towards that first goal of monetizing my YouTube channel, I might be a little bit intimidated. Like I want to do all that. That's all that all sounds great, but there's two problems there. One, this fictional person needs to make sure that they're focused on growing their YouTube channel, I would say first and foremost. And two, it, it's kind of a matter of like which one do you start with? So just with with that, I guess, person in mind. What would you recommend to somebody who's just kind of getting started? Maybe they're getting their first few hundred subscribers. They've got a number of videos on their channel they're starting to pick up. So these are things that are at the forefront of their mind. What could they be doing today that you 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 would suggest? And personally, for me, my whenever I give this kind of advice, I just always worry about overwhelming, you know, the audience. I guess so. I'm just trying to think about from about it from that perspective. Someone who has a full time job already, YouTube's like a side thing that they're doing. They'd love it to be full time. Maybe they have classes. Uh, what do you, what do you think? What's like the best way to kind of dip your toe in? Okay, I I would. There's one of two ways I would advise. The the very easy one happens to be affiliate links. Anything that you have that you use, cameras, webcams, um, maybe you are a crocheting YouTube channel, then your, your needles and your wall and whatever. You can always link to those in a description down below. Go out and find. Amazon links, for example, or go and communicate with that specific company. Um, once again, if you're a tech company, you can link to, say, Amazon for those headphones or where it needs to be. Um, alternatively, which was my approach, is that synergy is very important. So for you to grow your YouTube channel, you need to market yourself a bit more. And to market yourself, nothing like more powerful than social media or your own blog. Now, you can start a blog very easily and very cheaply, in some cases for free, if you go to places like wordpress.com. Um, you can buy a domain for as little as $5, $10 a year, maybe even less, and then you can host it on that platform. Now, if you're slightly more technically aware and you can host your own stuff, then you have more control, right? But blogging your own content, rewriting your videos into well-worded articles, so in my case, once again, I'm a YouTube educator. If I do a video on how to set up my lights, right, I could upload that video to YouTube, upload that video to a blog, write a blog post of 1,500 to 2,000 words, also explaining why lights, how lights, lighting directions. Do I need a three lighting setup? Do I need a background setup? Do I, do I need a light in front of me? Why do I need a light in front of me? Why has Alan not got that on? Because it, it flickers all the time. <laughs> These can all be questions that are in a blog that all become then searchable. And whilst you're in that blog, you can explain that, oh, I use a ring light, and that ring light you can buy from Amazon, or I use this software, I use that. Now, what that will do is it gives YouTube more links and more traffic coming from external sources to your video. Your video could do better. The blog can be indexed. The blog can get traffic organically. And over time, your blog can drive not only sales, but growth to your YouTube channel in a synergistic way. And all of those links that you've got under your YouTube channel video, all of those affiliate marketing links, you can also put in your blog. In fact, you've got more leeway in your blog to be even more, not spammy, not, not scammy salesy, right? But there's a few rules on YouTube that are, you don't really want to push them away too much. You can't have certain links in your description. Um, and they, they just get a bit tetchy, right? But 
I've got seven, eight hundred videos <laughs> that in the long run, if I was to turn them all into blog posts, all into how-tos, stepping you through everything that needs to be, people can find my blog. My blog has advertisements on them. I make money through advertisements on there. And that, that also gets advertisements against the YouTube video when it's played on my blog. People watch the video on my blog. They're watching, they're, they're on the YouTube, uh, they're on the, the website for longer, which gives you decent retention time, which helps you rank the blog. It's very synergistic. You're either getting more views or more blog posts, and it gives you control of your audience as well. That's the very important thing, right? If, if my YouTube channel was to disappear tomorrow, I still have my blog that gets 30, 40,000 organic page views per month that I can do something with. Okay. And that's very important. So you're talking about uh, diversifying your YouTube audience to the different uh, outlets that you have to accumulate revenue. And you also talk about like uh, bringing people from your other platforms into YouTube. We talk about a lot uh, meeting the people where they are, right? We do, people don't like to cross traverse platforms. They they are on a certain platform because they want to be there. So, yeah. in your opinion, and Dan, I would love you to weigh on this as well. How do you go about uh, getting that message across in an authentic way, as to not rub your audience the wrong way if you're trying to lead them to like an affiliate thing, or just making sure that you are being true to whatever platform that you're on at that time, and not coming off as a salesman or being too commercially or Lord forbid the, the word that we hate here to sponsor, you know, how, how do we keep that authenticity and still accumulate that revenue in a genuine way? See, this, this is where I'm slightly different to a, a Graham Stephan. He actively integrates it into his content as kind of like a, a joke, something funny, like, a, oh, and top three things to do. One, invest money. Two, don't spend it. Three, smash the like button. Okay. Some people can weave it quite well. Uh, Linus Tech Tips are very good at this because it's part of their program. It's part of their pattern and rhythm. You see it coming. If you want to go down that route, fine. Me, on the other hand, I'm very loose with it. I'll, I'll link them in the description down below. If they want to see the links, people will read the description, right? You'll be amazed how many times people click links in your videos, even when you don't mention them, right? You're completely amazed. Like, so everyone thinks like, oh, no one reads the description. They do. They, they really do, okay? So you can either have pop-ups on your, your video that, that kind of directs people down there. You can jokingly refer to them, or you go the other route. Yes, you have to kind of meet your audience where you are, which is why I have a blog, because some people might want to read it and not watch it. Some people might want to watch it, but not read it. I've got a podcast, startcreatingpodcast.com. Like, Switch the mindset. One of my, my all-time favorite people in this entire world is Gary Vaynerchuk. And what you try and do using his examples is remove the friction. So if you know that people are going to consume it in 10 seconds, maybe make a quick TikTok or a quick YouTube story or a quick YouTube short. Maybe people want to watch it in long-form content. There's some of my clients that make three and a half hour tutorials in every minute detail of how to set up an affiliate program. Or some people might like it in comedy, or some people might like it in a full essay on a blog. So it's more a case of you don't have to capture one audience and push one audience all around the place. You just cultivate multiple audiences within that platform. Now, vidIQ does that very, very well. 
you have a look at their, their Instagram and they've got mini stories that you can swipe through. You've got their, their Twitter account where they get bombarded with savage memes and Rob Wilson's face, right? It's an integration of the community, right? And you go and integrate yourself into those communities. You don't force your community into one place because then you're alienating the people on the fringes of those bubbles. The amount of social media accounts I have is outrageous. TikTok, Vero, which is a dead platform, Minds, Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr. I'm on MySpace. Don't search for me on there. I'm the emoist 15-year-old <laughs> in the world, right? I, I, can't, I don't know how to log into it. I can't delete it. It's a nightmare, Tom. Save me, Tom. Right? So... But yes, you meet the audience where they are. You don't push the audience into one homogenized mess. You cater and tailor your media to them, not manipulate them into your media. Man, you should like repeat that for the people in the back. The people in the back need to hear that. I love it. Love it. This episode of Tube Talk is brought to you by the vidIQ mobile app. You can download it for free on the Android or iOS app stores. And it's here to help you do things like keep track of your competition, research your next video idea, optimize videos you've already posted, and more, all on the go. This is the perfect app to have literally in your back pocket while you're out and about and you find yourself with a few free extra minutes. Having the opportunity to sit down and optimize your latest video or research ideas for your upcoming video can be a game changer and save you a bunch of time as you work to create more YouTube content. Again, you can download the vidIQ mobile app for free on Android or iOS. Just search for vidIQ. We're, we're YouTube creators and a lot of us, like you, Alan, you're educating others on becoming YouTube creators, becoming entrepreneurs, making money. But when you're, say, a gaming channel, right, it, you have to get a little more creative with with how you present these sorts of like affiliate programs and things to your audience. And that's why that, that you know, what you guys said about meeting your audience where they are is ringing true in my head to that point, because every person who plays games, there are things they purchase as well. They, they purchase new hardware and peripherals all the time. Maybe if you're playing console games, it's a matter of selling products that go along with those. Maybe, maybe if it's a Nintendo Switch, cases that go on the Nintendo Switch and things like that. So there's always something. And I, I think for anyone listening and thinking to themselves, what the heck could I do? What affiliate programs could I join? What sponsors could I seek? And I want to talk about more sponsors here in a sec. But if you're asking yourself those questions, what you need to be doing is looking around your own surroundings and thinking about the things you've bought uh, while you were getting into the hobby of gaming or whatever it is you do. If you're a cooking channel, think about some of the products you use around the kitchen all the time that you take for granted. And, you know, before you know it, you have a whole list of products that they actually do sell on Amazon. And then you're creating Amazon affiliate links to go in your description. And without people even, like Alan said, they're reading the description. Without people even needing to ask you in your comments, they're going to open the description and see, aha, okay, they're using all clad pans. Great. I, I, those pans look awesome. And I really wanted to figure out what those were. And I'm just going to click the link right now. And, and now this person went on Amazon through your link. And you're getting a cut of that. So there's a lot of different ways you could do this. And I think it's going to take a little bit of creativity on your part, depending on what kind of channel you're in, depending on your niche. But you want to make sure that you're presenting your audience with something that is useful to them, I think, is first and foremost. I mentioned sponsorships, and I, that's what I wanted to ask about next, Alan. One of the things that I think intimidates a lot of people is approaching somebody or even being approached by somebody for a potential sponsorship opportunity. The questions I see all the time are, 
how do I approach somebody for one of these opportunities? And the biggest one being like, how, like when they ask me what my rate is, what the heck do I do? I've been working with the, you know, some creator friends of mine. I say working with them, mostly just chatting about YouTube all the time. And these questions have come up recently and it's been at the top of my mind. So I'm just wondering what kind of advice you have around that. When I first started, I just went out my way. And what I mean, like eight years ago, I went out my way to talk about the things that I liked. If there was something that I specifically used, I did like a funny little review. When it came to the business side of the channel that I happen to be on now, I kind of did the same. I started talking about the softwares that I was using and whether they were red and white or whether they happened to be like our favorite blue, I'd make content around tools that I'm using and I would optimize. It got to a point where I would gain attention from people and then I would use affiliate marketing programs to push them there. Now, you don't have to be sponsored <laughs> directly by them in its essence. Now, a good example of this happens to be that I could make a vidIQ video, explain that, you know, I got all this from this, like day, daily daily video ideas from the vidIQ talk, right? You can go in there, you can talk about how fantastic it is that I, I used the first three ideas in the free package, right? But it, they were so good and so now that I upgraded to boost and now I've got 50. Right. And now I can pick through and yeah, you know, it's a it's about a, a 40 out of 50 hit rate, but that gives me a good jumping off point. Right. And then you can link to a description down below. Now, that looks like a fantastic video that vidIQ then didn't pay me for. That's fine. You make enough of those that you then put it on your blog or you can build a media pack. You can send that media pack to companies and go, oh, look, look, right. This is kind of what I do. Like, so if you like these type of products, or if you're a SaaS product, which is a, a service um, as a software, or software as a service, right? Um, then, then there you go. That's how I review this. Well, this is a giant water bottle. This is a, a camera, whatever it needs to go. Then they can see how it goes. You'll be amazed if you reach out. You'll be amazed how many people actually reply back. Also, you'll be amazed when you get over to a certain point how many people bombard your emails with absolute hats, <laughs> right? Um, it's outrageous. So you can get out of your way to kind of semi-sponsor content yourself. You can go and get an affiliate link and then you can point to the affiliate link below. Good example of this is um, Amazon's Audible and stuff like that because they're actively bounty programs that they want people to be pushed to and it's a successful product that everybody knows and you're kind of leaning on a brand that everyone trusts, okay? So, like, oh, what I do every day is I, I learn a new skill by listening to a, an ebook and blah, 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 blah. Oh, I get my ebooks from Audible, and there's a link in it. Very simple, okay? And that also translates into things like your blog. And once again, your blogs and places like that, you have so much more leeway. And anytime you touch upon a new thing or a new skill or a new direction or a new tangent, there's a chance for you to put an affiliate link there, okay? Alternatively, if sponsors come to you, now, some people get sponsors for free. Once again, if, if you've got um, testimonials and if you've got a, a portfolio of, of reviews that you've done, then fine, you can haggle prices. 
Um, some people have rate cards. A very good example of this happens to be um, one guy that I've learned a lot from, Roberto Blake. He has his very own media pack you can download, and he has a, his set prices. You can go along those lines as well. If you communicate with other YouTubers, I tend to find that YouTubers are more than willing to, to talk, which is weird for a British person because we're very closed <laughs> in about money. We're quite prudish, right? But you, there is quite a fraternity within YouTubers. You find the right people and you go out there, you'll, you'll build a loyalty, right? I, I've, I've known a few YouTubers for a very, very long time um, who grew from 300 subscribers to where they happen to be today, right? Just have a quick chat to them and you'll be surprised how many established YouTubers are willing to give a little nudge. At the end of the day, understand your value to them. That's the most important thing. If you're sat there with 1,000 niche viewers that are rabid about you, that's what they are buying, right? You need to understand that, oh, great, you get a product that's worth 50 quid. How much do you think it was going to cost them to place advertisements on Facebook to get that 2,000 views that that video is going to get and the click-throughs that you can dedicate as a niche influencer, right? How much would it cost them to, in their own right, go out and make their own video, push their own advertisements, and then push it to media where they don't look spammy and they get their own authority? You are selling your reputation, your audience, your brand. So you have to be okay with the monetary value that they are offering you or whatever they're offering you. Exposure, whatever it needs to be, okay? If the deal is not good enough, walk away. Because if they truly want that value, they'll come back. And if it's not good for your audience, you're only hurting yourself. That is uh, really, really excellent advice. I, I think that's the most difficult thing, I would say, for a lot of creators in this position. Getting a, a sponsorship opportunity only to find that it's just not going to cut it. They're they're asking too much. They're paying too little, and then you have to reckon with that. Well, this isn't going to work. I have to I have to walk. And I think a lot of people would probably struggle with that. Well, maybe I should just. It's my first one, or it's my second one. Maybe I should do this just to get it under my belt. And that's kind of like a your call sort of thing. But I, I like that you said that because I think it kind of stresses that point of like it's it's okay. It's okay to walk away. Uh, and you touched on a couple other points too. Uh, one thing specifically is using in aff affiliate links, right, will get you a lot of data, I would say. And once you've built up sales as an affiliate, I, I think you have a lot more negotiating power in, in those uh, future like sponsorship, you know, conversations. But am I being naive there? Or is that something you think, uh, like someone should use? No, that that's very true. Um, the businesses that, that are, are working with you, will truly judge you based on the numbers that you, you receive. If I can say, hi, I get around about 30, 40,000 organic page views on my blog, and out of those, I get X amount of affiliate clicks per, per day. Here's an example of my rev agreement. Here's my uh, example of my vidIQ arrangement. Here's how many products that I've sold on um, Amazon Video Influencer. Um, yeah, those alone can open so many doors. So much so that Amazon Video Influencer 
is a newish program that only opens the door once you've proved that you have an audience. So it's my analytics and my, my audience that opened the door that made me able to make more money, which it's, it's kind of, yes, a case a proof in the pudding in itself. But if you can show them, this is kind of my conversion rate. This is how loyal my audience are. This is my demographics that I happen to be in. Here's the multiple platforms that I can offer you. Not only is that good for you statistic wise, but in return, if, if someone comes to you and goes, hi, can, can we have a YouTube video? Sure. But for a little extra money, I can also put that on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, my blog. Um, you've got a product. I can review that on Amazon for you as well. You've now got so much more bargaining power. You've got so much more leeway to offer them additional value and for you to maximize that potential, whether that happens to be an ongoing deal whether that happens to be a higher price point, or whether they then realize that you're not just a one-trick pony. Because there are so many people out there that have much more influence outside of the YouTube platform. Like some of the TikTok people that are on the YouTube platform right now, they may have tens of thousands of followers on YouTube. I've got millions on TikTok, mm. right? But some businesses don't understand TikTok. They didn't understand, understand this selfish, self-centered platform called Instagram, like eight years ago. Who wants to look at people's selfies? <laughs> Stupid idea, Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> well, it wasn't Mark's until he yeah. bought it. But then it's worth billions. And now everyone buys stuff on Instagram. Yeah. So much so that they have to actively tell you that it's an advert now if you're going to buy something on Instagram. So diversify as much as you can, understand the value that you truly offer and the value you can additionally offer. And if you've got these numbers, they will back you up. That's why I was saying previously, if you've got examples of the work that you can do, even if you go out of the way to make free ones for the products that you truly love, then you can show those as examples of how passionate you could be about a product that fits your audience. I'm not going to start talking about dog grooming products on my YouTube like educational channel because nobody cares if I can groom a dog that I don't have <laughs> with some kind of stick that eliminates fur, right? It may be great for Rob Wilson and Jasper, but it's not good for me. So make sure that you understand the products, the services that you're pushing and be willing to either learn it or be passionate about it. And then it's good for you and for the company that's looking to sponsor you in the long run. A stick that eliminates uh, first sounds like a, a electric shaver for dogs. <laughs> <laughs> I love that you guys talked about uh, the data and having the data to back you up when you are working with these brands. A lot of new creators, when they're first starting out, they will ask, uh, how do I value myself? Or how much do I charge? Well, when you're first starting out, you don't really have much as far as value because you're just starting out. But what you can do to kind of figure out what your worth is, is do different affiliate deals and accumulate that data. Like if you do it via Amazon, they got like a full report back in the uh, back uh, end of Amazon that will let you know uh, your conversions and percentage of the links that were clicked in, how many times somebody brought something with a particular link. So you can use that data and accumulate that data to bring that to brands that potentially could pay you later on. So you can have that proof of work right there at your fingertip when it comes time to negotiate. So whatever affiliate deal you can get that will ha uh, give you access to data, the data that you are doing for that brand in the early days, it's a good look. It also gives you the advantage 
to double down on what works. If every time I talk to my audience, the idea of equipment does really, really well, but the idea of a software doesn't, then maybe I want to talk more about equipment. If there's a specific software program that you're using, say, say for example, you are Linus Tech Tips and your MacBook videos do much better than your laptop videos, then you're going to lean into more MacBook concept because it's going to save and push you in that audience. That That's what I learned a lot about my, my crypto channel. I've got much more audience leaning towards a specific project, whether it's ADA, whether it's XRP, whether it's Bitcoin, right? So that's the audience, that that's the, the content that my audience wants to hear from me. At the end of the day, going back to what I said earlier, meet your audience where they are. Don't try and force them to you. And if that means that you're talking about one product on Instagram, because it does better on Instagram, but it does horrific on YouTube, but something else does really well on YouTube, tailor it to your audience and you'll get a better conversion rate. So I, I we've been kind of saving this one for last and it's interesting. I, I think I just kind of got invested in the conversation around affiliates and sponsors, but circling back, we'll, we'll come full circle here. I think uh, one thing we just skipped right over was super chats and memberships, different things you unlock as you get monetized on YouTube. And these are things that, you know, I think if I'm correct, if I'm wrong, but I think you get them when you hit a thousand subscribers and 4,000 hours, but it's not all at once. You kind of like unlock these abilities little by little as the weeks go by. So maybe just some quick tips about how to leverage these two things. Uh, first, we should probably explain what they are, but then also quick tips on how to leverage them because th this is another way to make money on YouTube itself. Yes, um, Super Chats is the, is the first thing that you're likely to, to come across, whether you happen to be in that 1,000 subscribers club or anywhere else. Basically, on the right-hand side of any YouTube video, there is a ongoing chat, especially on live streams which scrolls manically, if you happen to be on the vidIQ live stream, where people say inappropriate things or <laughs> memes or that kind of thing. Right? And there's a little dollar symbol. That dollar symbol allows you to choose a specific amount of money, and that message is then flashed up on a live stream. Now, if you donate a small amount, that message can be highlighted, and if you donate a large amount, it is pinned to the top of the comment section for an extended period of time. Now, this is a good way to show support to the creator, or on a VidIQ live stream, I believe they donate it to charity. Um, so this is your opportunity to integrate your community, your loyal, diehard community, into your income stream. Now, some people already do this on things like Twitch, in which, you know, it's part of the whole subscribe model. And there's a lot of things that YouTube have looked at that they try and want to bring over, right? But Super Chats is a good way, it's, it's like a, a tip. Um, as in like, thank you very much, here you go, have some pennies. Um, or some channels, because they are so popular, Super Chats is the only way to rise above the noise, to get your question seen. Now, if you're sat there in a vidIQ live stream and you're donating money for a Super Chat, it's more likely to be seen than the 50 billion things scrolling alongside the video. So maybe I could do a live stream as a YouTube educator and I could invite people to donate for Super Chats to be like answered and placed at the top of the 
the, the questions that are being put through. A very good example of this is Nick Nimmin and Dee Nimmin that run weekend-based live streams. And they were three to four hours long. And they would sit there and they were just non-stop Q&As where they're continuing to, to racking money. Um, some people take advantage of that to build that community and therefore they, they can go through that way. Um, some people use it for donations. PewDiePie, for example, when he's on live streams for charity, he'll, he'll hint and go that. Jacksepticeye is another one that goes down that route. Now, you can swing that way, or there's a new feature called the thanks, which is a kind of a flat out tip. Mm -hmm. You know, here you go, here's a couple of dollars. Now, thanks is in beta. Um, I believe it's being played about with anyone over 10,000 subscribers, I may be wrong. Um, and it's got a little heart that's underneath the video. And that's not just for on uh, for, for live streams, it's for any video. So if you flick through, if, if you've taken three days to figure out how to loop a YouTube video, and you really want to thank me, there's a little thanks heart, and you click the thanks, and you're like, brilliant, wonderful. Here, but go buy yourself a coffee, Alan. Right? So those are more static. So you can go to any video within reason. It'll be rolled out across the platform when they finally get there. Now, these can also, if, you, if you're actively going down that route, you could hint that it's down there. You could suggest that it's down there. Um, and alongside the super chats, you've got your, your super stickers, which are the same kind of thing. They're kind of like memes and gifts, and I'm clearly a boomer, right? And you can choose the, the thumbs up or the stupid face, and, and it does the same. Yeah. The, the thing comes up. Um, not to mention that in the long run, you can build a community enough to push them towards the join, join function, um, where it's gated behind their um, they then pay you a monthly fee, very much like these Twitch. are memberships now. And then you can, yeah. yes, oh, memberships. Um, and you can you can not only post community only posts on your community tab, but you can have community only based membership videos that are displayed on your um, YouTube channel feed, but can't be accessed by anyone but but the members in themselves. These could be private Q and As. These could be dedicated videos. This could be early access to content, whatever you wish. But YouTube are deliberately giving you additional ways to make money because the more money you make, they do as well. But you can implement these as a way to build hardcore fans that continue to not only support you, but then you can then use those funds to give them more of what they actually want in return. You've always got to remember that it's two ways. Because if they don't care about you, they're not going to like donate to you. So you've got to give them something. You need to lead with value, right? Give, give, right? As Gary Vaynerchuk says, it's like jab, 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 then a right hook. So if you give them all the value in the world, then sooner or later they'll feel guilty enough <laughs> that they'll pay for your coffee. Well, I want to thank you for running us through all of those different ways, uh, you know, to make money on YouTube, outside of YouTube, around your channel. And uh, yeah, Alan, where can everybody find you? You can find me at youtube.com forward slash Alan Spicer or alanspicer.com if you actually want to check out what a blog can do, what content you can create, how you can monetize it. But yeah, I'm, I'm easily findable. All right, Alan, thank you so much. Thanks, man. Great to be here. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Tube Talk. 
brought to you by vidIQ. Head over to vidIQ.com slash tube talk for today's show notes and previous episodes. Enjoy the rest of your video making day.